everyone. Welcome to Way of Life Podcast, where we firmly believe that everyone picks a way in life and what way you pick is extremely important and directly affects how you live. In this podcast, we seek to interview people from all around Australia and beyond on life's most important topics. Whether you're a Christian, a skeptic, or someone with a whole heap of questions, this podcast is for you. My name is Matt, pastor living in Brisbane, Australia. This is Way of Life Podcast. Wow, Miriam. Thank you so much for coming. It's honestly been something I've been really looking forward to for the past kind of few months since I emailed you. Um, but I guess before we get started, um, I wondered if you could just give us like a minute lowdown of who you are. Like, what do you do? What, what are your interests? How did you come to to know uh, to do this kind of topic? Uh, good evening. Uh, like a lot of people who end up in the helping professions. Uh, I probably got into it because of coming from a, a pretty m- mixed up family myself and I wanted to make sense of it. But I also think it was a real call on my heart to really want to be um, an instrument of, of care and healing. And in the last 30 plus years, my husband Greg and I have particularly felt called to care for Christian leaders, to mm. pastor pastors. Um, so I'm a psychologist in private practice and um, Greg and I work together with um, a lot of uh, Christian leaders, missionaries, trying to help them um, have a holistic approach to good health and go the distance. Yeah. You were even, you guys were the people that did my psych evaluation, which I, <laughs> yes. I had to do to become a pastor at Queensland Baptist. So that was yeah, good. And we're still living off the bribe. Sorry. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I mustn't be that dodgy. It's good. No, uh, no. Thanks, Miriam. That's it's awesome. It's good to hear your heart and the heart of our speakers uh, before we get into it all. So this is quite a big topic. Mental health. It's not a not a small one uh, to to cover in one night. I'm sure we we won't cover it all, but hopefully we'll be able to create at least a conversation, start some thinking around this kind of topic. But what I thought might be really helpful as a first kind of topic of discussion to talk about is um, what does it actually look like to be mentally healthy? Mm. Um, because you hear about mental mental health and there's different issues and problems that people have and, and that kind of thing. But I've always kind of thought, how do you even work out what mentally healthy is? What's the standard mm, that mm. psychologists even psychologists even go off, or yes. what are we looking for? And I guess to add a little bit to this question is: um, is there kind of a, a spectrum in terms of mental health, like there would be with physical health, where you've got, I guess, people that uh, have quite a few health problems, they're not looking after themselves, eat bad food, they don't mm. exercise, so on and so forth. And then you've got kind of the stock standard person who's like neither like super fit on the other mm. end, but they're just reasonably healthy. And then mm. you've got the, the super fit, really just like looking at their diet all the time, really healthy person. Mm. Is there, is it kind of, is there a spectrum in terms of a, a mental health and, and, uh, and how do you know what mentally healthy mm. is? I guess mm. is my mm. question. Yeah. I really like that question. I think it's a great place to start yeah. because we talk a lot about mental illness, 
but how do we recognise mental health? What are we supposed to be aiming for? Mm. And I like your term spectrum, which I want to uh, address yeah, in yeah. just a moment because it says that there can be a range yeah. uh, across it. And actually with that question, it reminds me of how I read once that people who are trained to um, be counterfeit money detectors, the way, in their training they spend quite a bit of time looking at different forms through the years that people have tried to um, put forward some deceptive mm. money, counterfeit yep. money, but they spend most of their time looking at the real thing. Yeah. They become so acquainted with what it's supposed to look like, the yeah. real thing, that if they see even a small distortion, they can pick it up. So I like your question because you're saying, yes, let's understand mental illness, but first let's go to mental health. Mm. What's it supposed to look like? Yeah. And... It's really interesting that quite a few people I've worked with through the years, they've actually had a counterfeit view of what mental health looked like. Really? They thought that mental health meant the absence of ever feeling bad. I feel like that's what a lot of people think. Yes. That's just hence the question. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. And so for some people they think that, um, actually I was, I was working with a guy uh, a little while ago who said, I've come to understand that life is not a breakfast morning talk show. And I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, oh, every time I put on the radio in the morning and I listen to those breakfast talk show people, they're always trying to outdo each other, trying to be who's the most jolly and happy and funny. And, and yeah. he thought, life is not like a breakfast morning show, you know. <laughs> and mental health is not like a breakfast morning show. Mm. To have good mental health does not mean the absence of ever feeling bad. Mm. So... When you talk about spectrum, I brought along this um, really prop, fancy everyone. prop. This is good. <laughs> if you wouldn't mind holding yes. one in. Thanks. Thank you. So let's imagine that where Matt is, that's um, a person who is characterised by mental health. Wellness mm. is down yep. there. And then as we move more towards the line towards me, we're getting away from wellness to poor mental health. And then... This end here of the spectrum I'm holding on to would be a person who is mainly characterised by mental illness. So let's look at, at that. So at your end, Matt, mental health means that you, you can have a range of emotions. So it's not the absence of bad feelings and always feeling happy and high and fulfilled. That you can have really good mental health and still... Sometimes be sad, sometimes mm. be lonely, sometimes be bored, experience stress, experience worry, mm. experience rejection, experience guilt. That, is not, that does not mean you are suffering mental illness. In fact, mental health is characterised by what we call emotional agility. You actually can move through a whole range of emotions, mm. hopefully the ones that are right for that yep. moment, yep. like gears in a car. Yeah. With emotional health, you move through a whole range of the gears yeah. in there. So there's, whereas as you move further along here, and particularly at this end of emotional illness, mm. it's like becoming stuck in a gear. So later when we're talking more about specifically anxiety and depression, yeah. it's almost like with depression, a person is stuck in a really low gear mm. or they're stuck in park. And someone who's suffering from an anxiety disorder, it's like they're stuck in a revved up like overdrive. 
Mm. Whereas mental health means you experience a wide range of emotions, but you can move through them, you can name them, yeah. you can express them, and you can address them. Mm. That's one part of mental health yep. down there. Yep. Also, usually mental health is characterised by being able to um, do the things that help you function day to day. So usually with mental illness down this end here, um, their, their mental illness actually gets in the way of them functioning well during the day. Mm. It's being able to relate, uh, so to connect in healthy ways. Yep. That's another sign of mental wellness. Yep. And I like that word. Good mental thinking wellness. also. And as opposed to stinking, what we call stinking thinking, um, so <laughs> mental wellness is when uh, like we're supposed to have 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day. That's how busy and noisy it is up here. With mental wellness, it doesn't mean that all of those 50 to 70,000 are spot on true. No, mm. we can have some really weird, wacky stuff happening no, no matter where we are on the spectrum. <laughs> yeah. But wellness, mental wellness means... I'm, I more easily can recognise when, oh, that's, that's off. And yeah. I can generate usually a couple of scenarios. For example, if something goes wrong, mm. rather than automatically going into catastrophe mode, yeah. I can actually say, well, it might be because of this, it might be because of that. So I can generate a few possible reasons for something. So there's, again, that mental agility, just like that emotional agility. It's a bit like catching yourself out before you even are kind of going forward. You're like, oh, hang on, like maybe this is why it's happening, yes, that kind yes, of thing. Yes, Yeah. And we even call that naming and taming. You yep. can you can name what's going through your head or going through your heart mm. um, rather than being just overcome by it and controlled by it. Yeah. So, so that's wellness. Yep. And then as we move along the line, there's less and less degrees of some of those. Yeah. Um, and then up to here, mental illness. But... In mental illness, a person can still do all those things I said about the feeling and the doing and the thinking and relate, relating if their mental illness is being well treated, well cared for. Yeah, okay. That's really, really cool. Is there yeah. a sense, like this is kind of just a little bit of a follow-up question on this spectrum, but yeah. do you think you would kind of go a little bit back and forth? With, okay, say for yeah. instance you hit, you hit a new moment in life where yeah. you've hit something really hard and you might be feeling certain different things and you're yes. not actually, you've never learned how to change gears in a sense. Mm. So you might kind of keep going yes. back and forth. Like, is it, uh, is it okay to kind of go a little yes. bit back and forth on this yes. spectrum? You don't Definitely. always have to be up here. Yes. Yeah. And in fact, that might be another myth that I, I land on this place of mental health and I stay locked in there forever. Mm. Um, we can move backwards and forwards and, Something as simple as sleep can be one of the main determinants of where I am on the spectrum. Wow. Um, you could have a whole lot of good things in your life. You could be starting something new and exciting. Yeah. But if you're not sleeping well, and I'm going to really hammer this tonight, sleep is the most important ingredient for good mm. mental health. Sleep is when it's like the dishwasher for the mind. Wow. It, it, it gets rid I of like all that. the grime. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And people who actually could be up your end of mental wellness, but are hovering more in this middle zone, maybe a poor men, poorer 
mental health. They're not in mental illness, but they might be poor in mental health. Often you can find that, just using your term for the series, way of life, mm. they might have fallen into a way of lifestyle yeah. that actually means that their their mental health suffers mm. because they're not injecting into their lifestyle some of the ingredients like sleep yeah. that actually sustain good mental health. Yeah, okay. Would that kind of go across to how you eat, what you yeah. bring your time in uh, towards, like what, what your way of life is to kind of pick up on it? It's a, yeah, a lot of things contribute to your yeah. mental health. That's really, really cool. I like that because... I think there's, I think I've been caught out by this in the past is that when you actually do hit something that's really hard and you're like, oh no, I'm really struggling or I'm worrying or something like that. And we'll go into this in a bit. I have some questions around it, but it's, it's really cool to know that sometimes that's, that's a, that's okay. Like you can, you you haven't actually met this before and it's about navigating that and you don't, you're not like less of a human being if you start kind of fluctuating back and forth. You yes. don't have to be up here at the perfect. Yes. So that's so, really cool. So think of a bandwidth then, a bandwidth of, of wellness, yeah. and you can move backwards and forwards within that. Yeah. And when new things come along in your life, mm. um, yeah, we all can get a little bit wobbly. Yeah. Um, but that's good because if we're not getting a bit wobbly, that means we've created this comfortably numb little yeah. zone and we're not being challenged and stepping out. Probably not growing is what not comes growing, to mind. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. yeah. often growth comes through hard times, which is yes. what I wanted to pick up on. I wanted to kind of go into anxiety um, a little bit, the topic yes. of anxiety, because it's it's massive. I, I see a, a lot of problems with it in, yes. in our society particularly. Um, so I wanted to kind of see what what is clinical anxiety Yes, and is there such a thing as a healthy amount of anxiety? Yeah, yes, that's a great question. Well, actually, just yeah, yeah, we'll we'll keep, keep it. No problem. Let's say yep. at your end is a healthy degree of anxiety, yep. and then moving along the spectrum to me, this is clinical anxiety. This is an an anxiety disorder at mm. this end, and there's a world of difference between between there, and it's messy because we often talk in our society about. Uh, being anxious. And in scripture, we, we see those words, don't be anxious about anything. And sometimes we can think that people who are up this end of the spectrum at the actual anxiety disorder end of the spectrum, if they would just obey those words that Jesus said, or that we find in scripture more, <laughs> yeah. then they wouldn't be anxious. It, um, an anxiety disorder is completely different from having anxious and worrying thoughts. So let's think about that. If down your end, and we're saying that's where good mental health is, wellness, you can still worry, you can still have some anxious thoughts, you can still be stressed. And I hope you do have those because if you're not, that means that your life has become this little numb little cocoon. Mm. Um, I think they say that psychopaths don't ever experience anxiety so you don't want to pass that test certain levels okay (laughs) but worry worry and um stress and anxious thoughts the difference between down your end of wellness Mm. and my end and anxiety disorder is that 
You're worried usually about a specific thing. You're stressed about a specific thing. So if you said to me, I'm feeling really worried about something or stressed about something, yeah. I could say, all right, Matt, is there something in your life at the moment or is something coming up? And you could usually point at that thing, all right? It's that yeah. particular challenge in your life yeah. that's identifiable. Yeah. And a little bit of worry and some stress can actually help you perform better. You Maybe you, could, you might bring your A game out more. Yeah, yeah. And function better because of that. It's a bit like um, before a sermon. Um, usually, I, I remember when I was at college, they used to say if you don't feel any, any like any degree of nervousness, you actually, it could be a problem. Like you're yes. way almost too confident yes. in, in a sense. So it actually pushes you to kind of take seriously in this kind of, for instance, in this instance to actually take, okay, I'm, I'm dealing with the word of God. Yeah, I yes. should feel a little bit of like yes. weight to that and that's yes. okay. But yeah, yes. sorry, continue. Oh, actually, I absolutely agree with what you're saying. Yeah. And, if you, and, and if you weren't feeling that, not only would you perhaps be underperforming mm. because a certain amount of stress, actually we talk about our optimum stress level. Yeah. There's actually a degree of stress that does make us function at our best. Yeah. And down that end of wellness, we can have a measure of stress that actually brings out the best in us yeah. and worry as well can actually motivate us to take some action or seek yeah. some help. Sure. But the difference between that end of the spectrum and this end is that once the threat has passed, the worry subsides or the stress subsides. But as you move further along the spectrum, and particularly someone here who's got an anxiety disorder, mm. It's not linked anymore to a specific threat. Life and living are now the threat. Mm. And that's what we call anxiety, okay. the disease of the imagination. Yeah. Because now in my head, it's like I've created and I live in this horror movie. It's always the worst possible catastrophized scenario. Yeah. And it's not a specific threat. As I said, I'm living now in a, st yeah. a, a threatened state. That makes a lot of sense. That's that's really cool. So I guess you kind of picked up on it already, but I think of uh, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew yeah. 6, he talks about don't worry, don't be anxious about your life, like what you'll eat, what you'll wear, where you're going tomorrow. And mm -hmm. then like Philippians, uh, the Apostle Paul in chapter 4 tells us not to be anxious yes. about anything. So I guess you've pretty much answered the question anyway, but what is that? talking about yeah. then um, yes. and how do you signify that from your spectrum yeah. down there a clinical anxiety? Yeah. That is such an important question and I, I think in the church we really have to understand this. Actually, I'll take that prop from you because I think it's okay. But in the church <laughs> we really have to understand this, that yeah. sometimes we make people who've got an anxiety disorder think that, as I said before, they're just not heeding the words of of Jesus enough yeah. and not obeying enough. Yep. And I've worked with people who they think they're having a crisis of faith mm. because they've got an anxiety disorder or they're depressed, mm. or they think they've got a crisis of character. If I was a stronger person, you know, this wouldn't happen to me. But it's not a crisis of faith. It's not a crisis of character. It's a crisis of health mm. down this end. That's what it is, a crisis of health. And so telling a person... Don't be anxious when they're living up this end does not help at all. It helps oh, people geez, down thanks. that end. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. down that end, yeah. I've got choices down that end. Yeah. I, I'm identifying something as a threat 
and I'm fretting over things. Yeah. And so those those um, verses in Scripture are telling us choose not to fret when you've got the choice capacity. Right. But people who are locked into mental illness, the choice has been taken away. They're living in a nightmare in their head. It's not as if they can just flick a switch because you told you quoted a verse at them. It's a bit like if I was just to jump to depression. You know, some people will say, it's all in your head, shake it off. We don't tell people with a broken leg, it's all in your <laughs> leg, walk it off. And yet it's That'd the same really scenario. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. So I think we've got to be really careful about yeah. how we handle those amongst us who've got mental illness mm. and thinking that what Jesus said in those scenarios that are just the normal condition of being alive yeah. means that we're going to have stress and worry and fear and all the rest of it, yeah. as opposed to someone who's up this end who's actually got a mental illness. All it will do is make them feel more isolated and more guilty. Yeah. It doesn't help at all. Yeah. No, that's really good. Well, back on that kind of question, how do you, how would you, okay, how do you navigate even working out when someone uh, I know you don't, not everyone's a, a, like a psychologist or anything like that, but when you're hanging out with a friend and they're really worried about something yeah. or they're really sad about something, is there any kind of telltales in your mind to yeah. show where maybe they're actually just going through a hard time or, and then they'll get through it and it's a little bit more of what the Bible's yeah. talking about or if they're actually like really just suffering inside in general and therefore can't make those decisions. Like you say, like, how do you navigate that? Yeah. And then I guess my second question, which if you want to get to it is how do you help people at that end of the spectrum? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. How do you encourage someone? Because like you said, like I, I've, I've been guilty of it too. Um, I've talked to people that are kind of like, no, this isn't just like a, a just a normal feeling uh, and it's hard to understand when you haven't been through it and you're just like, just don't be anxious, yes. just don't worry. It's just like, oh, geez, thanks, Matt. Like, <laughs> so but how, how do we help each other? And recognising that it didn't help yep. is, the first, is the first step. And often we say it because it makes us feel better because it makes us feel like we've helped them. Yeah. Um, but often it actually does more harm. Yeah. So if a person's at... at that end of the spectrum, the wellness mm. end, or in that half there, usually they can respond to some um, encouragement. They can do some problem solving with you mm. and you could say to them, okay, I wonder what, what might your options be in the situation and, you know, let's, let's talk it through. And they, they've got the capacity to respond to it with you. Mm. But someone at this end here... Um, well, let's do the flip to depression, say. Yep. Like even someone who's got good mental health will have some days, so down your end of the spectrum, yep. will have some days where they're feeling low yeah. or flat or just a bit blue. Mm. I mean, that's just a, a part of the human condition. Yeah. Um, and that sort of person might be just helped by you listening to them and saying, yep. come on, let's get out, let's go and distract ourselves. Right? Yep. That, that yep. could be really helpful. But actual clinical depression, yeah. usually one of the questions that is asked is over the last two weeks, mm. how often have you felt really flat or mm. low? Yep. And if a person says, you know, 
most of the or all of the two weeks. Mm. You see the difference here? Now it's like a, a place where you're living as opposed yeah. to that's just a, a place I'm visiting over there. Yeah. And yeah. the other question that's asked to look at when is it clinical depression besides in the last two weeks, how often have you felt down or low mood yeah. or whatever? The other one is over the last two weeks, have you noticed that stuff that used to give you pleasure doesn't anymore? Yeah, okay. That's a good so question. So it's almost like I've, I've got nothing in me to mm. respond even to good stuff. Yeah. So dangling something good in front of them just like, won't uh, work when, you're, when you've got clinical depression. Whereas yeah. down that end yeah. saying, come on, let's go out and catch a movie or something like that yeah. would work. Right. Um, but hopefully you'd let them... Speak yep. a bit first about what's causing sure. causing the pain rather than just putting a lid on it. Yeah, no, that's really good. I think that's that's so helpful because um, I guess to back on it, and it's not really a question, but what I've seen is uh, there's kind of two spectrums when I when I see people in terms of mental health and their opinions of it in general and seeing someone is that it's almost as if, no, nah, you just kind of need to get over it. It's, it's, there's no such thing as mental health. That, like that's an extreme. And then there's people that are like, oh, at every turn, this is the other extreme. I'm not saying everyone's like it, but the other extreme is that it's just like at every small little thing yeah. of where you're feeling depressed or an anxious about something or whatever, you need to see someone. Yes. Um, and I think that's what both spectrums are a little bit mm. concerned of each other about, yeah. if that makes sense. Mm. Um, whereas I think it's really cool to work out even for yourself a little bit or as a friend to someone because it is very real for people and that's it's very easy to see when you meet people that are really struggling. Yes. Um, it's, it's good in my mind what you're saying to kind of navigate it. It's just like, are you living this all the time mm. or is this just a, actually just a bit of a hard time? Um, and you just need some support around you, that kind of thing. So yes. I think it's, it takes away the stigma of it as well. It's like you can actually seek help if you're struggling yeah. a lot of the time. Like You know yes. what I mean? Um, and and when really I've reflected good. on that about struggling a lot of the time, I, I've looked at there's a passage in Galatians 6 where it seems like Paul is saying something contradictory. He says, um, bear one another's burdens, mm. And then a few verses down it says, and everyone is to carry their own load. And you're thinking, <laughs> how do they fit together? But when you look at the original language, yeah. where it says bear one another's burdens, the word for burden is like this big boulder, this big, big rock. And if someone's carrying something really, really heavy, like a big boulder or rock, bear one another's burdens. And I think that's talking about this end of the spectrum mm. over here. Yeah. But the other word says everyone is to carry their own load. In the original language, it's like a word for like your your, your backpack. Yeah. Like just carry your day's <laughs> hassles. Everyone else is carrying their day's hassles to carry yeah. your own. Now, the trouble with mental health and mental illness is that there are some people who want us to help them carry their backpack and there are some people <laughs> who have been carrying a boulder and they won't let you help them yeah. either because they've got this counterfeit view mm. of what wellness looks like or mental yep. health or being joyful in the Lord or, or something is, and they won't let you help them when they're carrying a boulder and being crushed by it. And yet, as I said before, there are some people who expect help with their backpack. Yeah, that's a really good analogy. I like that. <laughs> 
That's really, really good. Uh, that's really helpful. I, I'm really enjoying this. Um, I wanted to kind of switch to the other topic. We've talked a little bit on, just touched on anxiety a bit, but depression. Um, like I said before, it's hard. What I've experienced myself or when I've talked to other people that haven't gone through depression, it's hard yeah. to know exactly what they're feeling because mm-hmm. you've never been through it. Um, so I wondered if you could explain what depression is yes. and what someone who has it might be going through yes. to the best of your ability yeah. um, just to help people understand each other. Yes. Yeah. And for people who don't know what it would feel like, that's great because people who've been to clinical depression would not wish it on their worst enemy because it's a, a loss of hope. Mm. Whereas down that end of the spectrum, we can have some days where we feel just low, flat, blah. Yeah. But we've always got this hope that after this dark night, joy will come in the morning. But with clinical depression, it's like I can't even believe in the morning anymore. And it's like the, the spark plugs in the brain, there's all this grime coating them. So rather than firing off and being able to say, we can move forward, we can, it's, it's like a flatness, a stuckness yeah. that occurs. And there's three layers of negative feeling and thinking that come with depression. Mm. Um, a negativity about myself, especially if I, if I think I've failed Jesus failed others by being depressed. I feel negative about myself. I feel negative about my immediate circumstances Mm. and I feel really stuck. It's not going to get any better. But I feel negative about the future too. I feel like it's never going to get any better either. So there's this dark cloud inside me, immediately around me and into the future. And it's, it's like being lost in a dark place and not knowing if I'll get out, how to get out. Yeah. And there's usually a guilt that comes with it too, mm. really strong emotions. And depression usually guilt? is about the backwards, usually it regrets. Yeah. Anxiety is more about the now and the future, but depression seems to be more about the past. So there's a lot of mm. um, if onlys yeah. Yeah, and, and guilt comes with yeah, it too. Yeah, sure. That's really helpful. No. Um, I guess how would you know then if – You've pretty much answered it already, but I'll ask it anyway. But how do you know if you're just going through a period of sadness? Yes. And if you've got probably depression per se. Yeah, yeah. And I'll probably, I'll make it a little bit more specific. So say for instance, you lose a loved one. Yes. Or like something, like a relationship breaks down. That's a really sad thing. So how... How would you navigate something like that where you're understandably feeling sad? Do you know what I mean? Yes. That's a pretty normal thing to feel like you're, you're mourning. Yes. You know what I mean? And that's not necessarily a bad yes. thing uh, uh, unless you, can, fact, you, you can correct me if you want. Yeah. Yes. In fact, yeah. if you don't let yourself grieve, yeah. I would be concerned about that. Yeah. Um, because acknowledging loss and then entering some sort of ritual of lament Mm. I mean, lament is all through the Bible, isn't it, about the acknowledgement of what was lost. Yeah. Um, that's really healthy to do that. Yeah. So in life we're going to have a lot of – this is the thing. I'm so pleased you've got this topic tonight because yep. we have far more psychological injuries in life than we will have physical injuries mm. and loss. Good way of looking at it. And, and in fact, Matt, you might have heard this 
too that they reckon surviving ministry is is about surviving loss. Yeah. Uh, because there's a lot of loss that comes with, with ministry. So we're going to, we, we need to learn how to navigate loss in life, disappointment, disappointment with life, disappointment with ourselves, disappointment with God sometimes. Yep. And when is it healthy sadness and lament mm. and grief? Yep. And when is it depression? Because they're two very different things. Yeah. So healthy sadness and grief is when I let myself sit with it. I can sit with it for a really long time, but eventually I start to keep on functioning in my life, mm. carrying this sadness with me. Mm. So if, if sadness was a, 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 a cushion or a grief, initially it's like it's in front of me, it's on top of me, I can't see or do anything, but eventually I can tuck it under my arm yeah. and keep on functioning with life, carrying this with me. Yeah. But clinical depression, I am just under it all the time. It stays there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How do you, I have a really good question in a minute, but how do you help someone like just as a, as, as a friend, as a fellow person in Christ, just how do you help someone yeah. who has it yeah. on their head all the time? Um, again, it's a bit like the anxiety question, like just, just feel better. It's okay. Yeah. Like just, be, yes. just be happy. Like, yes. You know what I mean? But how do you, how do you do that? Um, well, first of all, avoid doing the dumb things that you just said. Yep. Yeah. And, um, because we do harm, we do incredible harm yeah. by saying that sort of stuff. Yep. Um, and instead, depressed people, I think because of the, the hopelessness mm. and the guilt, um, it's very easy to push people away. So mm. I would say respect them, but don't yep. let them completely push you away and let them know that as they walk through their valley of shadows, you you're there with them. Yeah. Don't tell them I'm here if you need me because they won't reach out to you. <laughs> yeah. Especially people who are carrying a boulder and won't even let you help them with them. The worst thing you can say to them is I'm here if you need me. I'm just a phone call away. They yeah. are not going to reach out to you. You actually are going to have to contact them and say, Hey, I, um, I'd like to hang out with you or, um, yeah. and just for a little while or, yeah. um, can you just, just want to go for a little 20-minute walk yeah. or something like that. So you, you come into their space, into the darkness where yep. they are. Yep. If they need help then, if they're at this end illness yeah, yeah. and you know they have not gone to their doctor, yeah. you might even say, could I go to the doctor with you? Go to the doctor with you. Yeah, could yeah. I help you take that first step? That's good. Um, and reassure them this yep. is not, you know, the crisis of character or the crisis of faith. This is a crisis of health. Let's go and see a health practitioner. Yeah. No, that's really good. Um, what would you say in terms of, I see it a lot where as humans, we kind of go, you just need this bit of information. Mm -hmm. You're just missing this. Like this will fix what you, you are doing. But most of the people don't respond to getting information thrown at them. They kind of want to be understood you know, how yes. I have understood understood my journey talking to people they just want to be understood you want them to actually they want to feel listened um but at the same time is there a place with your friend or your family member that might have the boulder on their back that doesn't ask for help where you can actually just 
You don't have to always, the aim isn't always to talk to them about yes. exactly what they're going yes. through. But actually sometimes it's, it's a matter of going, hey, let's catch a movie, like you say, or like, yeah. let's go for a walk. Let's get outside, man. Hey, do you want to play some video games? Like that kind of thing. Is yes. that yes. equally part of that journey? Because um, I feel like, this is my opinion, but it seems like there needs to be a balance. You shouldn't always just be out to just get that conversation or yeah. get that information into the head and then all of a sudden they'll be free. It's just like, mm-hmm. no, it's it's taking them on the journey, as yeah. you said. And on that journey, there's your, your favourite word you just dropped into the yep. sentence. <laughs> and on this journey, to recognise that sometimes people really do want to talk about their pain, yep. but for some people... They, they're living their pain all the time. They actually don't want to talk about it more. It's a distraction. And to be distracted could yeah. be really helpful, but to know they're not alone. So yeah. somebody drawing alongside them. Yeah. I love that one of the names of the Holy Spirit, Paraclete, one mm. who draws alongside That's to good. help. So drawing alongside and being tuned into them well enough to know, mm. do they want to talk or is talking the last yeah. thing they want? Do they want to be distracted or do they actually want you to even sit with them in silence yeah, yeah. and not talk at all, just um, just be yeah, with yeah. them? Mm-hmm. No, I think that's, that's super valuable. Um, I love this question. What, what does it look like to have joy in the Lord <laughs> when you are depressed? Yes. What does it look like to have joy in the Lord when you're depressed? Um, I think it's a fantastic it question. It is because it's not – what does it look like to have joy when you're depressed? It's what does it look like to have joy in the Lord when you're depressed? And I mm. think that's the difference because joy and depression will not go together. But joy in the Lord, I think in that word joy, it's about more of a um, a hope that, that God is with me. It's, mm. In fact, that's a really interesting point. Some research has been done into does it make much difference to believe in God when you've got, mental illness Mm. and what the research is finding is that believing God doesn't help but believing in a God who cares makes an enormous difference yeah right so joy in the Lord is reminding myself that God God is with me I think it's the God who is with me yeah in in the valley of shadows Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadows, I fear no evil because you are with me. Mm. I think joy in the Lord in the context of depression is not that I'm going to flick a switch and suddenly be happy clappy. I won't be. But even in the midst of this valley of shadows, Mm. it's knowing that God is with me even in this. And that's why it's so important to not let people with clinical depression think that this is a faith just crisis. Not relying on God enough. Not relying on yeah. God enough because then they'll think that God's abandoned me in this valley yeah. of shadows, that God's not with me because yeah. God's so disappointed in me. Yeah. But if you say, no, actually God is with you in the midst of it. And if we remind people too, yeah. how many people in scripture, oh. Elijah said, put me to death right now. Yeah. Um, when you think about um, sadness of Job, the set, even Jesus in the Isaiah passage, yeah. a man of sorrows, acquainted yeah. with grief, mm. that that Jesus understands sorrow and grief and is with us in the yeah. midst of it. So I think this the joy is nuanced. It's not that I'm going to be happy clappy, but it's yeah. almost like in you is my is my home, my 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 peace, like an anchoring. And anchoring and the hope because depression 
um, is a hopeless state. Yeah. And constantly having hope, you know, in Hebrews it talks about hoping an anchor mm. for the soul. Yep. Hope that God is with you in this. Yeah. And and even it's interesting, I walk through the valley of shadows. I don't stay there. I'm going to be walking through it. I'm going to get through this. And you're not going around it either. Hope. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Now that's really, really good. Um, I think put me down if I'm wrong, but there's a sense in which uh, a common phrase that probably Christians use is just like, you just need to lean on the Lord. You need to just rely on the Lord and he'll give you everything you need. And whilst that's in my mind, fairly true, um, he, he does provide, we do, we are told to ask, we are told to pray, we're tried, told to make him the treasure of our heart. And we're told to do these things. And that's a beautiful anchor to the soul. And, and it's an amazing kind of source of life. But is there, uh, I guess, is there a place then for a more holistic viewers? Like, actually, I can be leaning on the Lord, but I could still go see a psychologist. Mm-hmm. I can still yeah. be leaning on the Lord. And um, dare I say, take medication. I know that's a big, like, topic but people do take it and that kind of thing uh where i need i can rely on the lord but still Mm. talk to someone else Mm. how do you how do you navigate leaning on the lord but Mm. actually getting the help Mm. that god's probably given through people and medication well this is another place where i reckon the counterfeit can happen because i've always find it found it really interesting and this came to a head for me last year when i heard about some people in the united states who in their churches were saying to people, if you really are leaning on the Lord and trusting the Lord, don't wear a mask. So wearing a mask became a sign of whether you believe or not. not. And I thought, okay, do those people have house insurance? Do they have insurance on their car? It makes me actually really angry that people will say, just lean on the Lord and then go home and pay their house insurance, their Mm. um, life insurance, their car insurance, their health insurance, how is that not leaning on the Lord then? So I'll still I take th- Panadol with a headache. Yes, <laughs> yes. So leaning on the Lord is that ultimately we know that God is, is the source of all light and life, but God's mercy means that God provides what we need on the journey and I actually believe that my call to become a psychologist was in obedience to God mm. who called me to be a carer. Yeah. So what, what if on some level um, God, God allowing in all the, the studies that have been done about neuroscience and how the mind works and about mental illness, what if that's another aspect of God's love for us, that God made sure that how the mind works and people who study it and want to be, to serve in that area is another part of God's goodness. Yeah. On that, how do you navigate though, where some, how do you navigate finding the right person and how do you navigate, um, I guess medication, this is a big question, I'm sorry, but like how do you yeah. navigate trying to find the right person to see in the first place if you yeah. thought that you were in that place of carrying a boulder? Um, and then how do you navigate medication? Because my my personal like view 
on it is that sometimes I don't see that it really works mm. or it's actually my, yeah, a close family member has uh, gone through a lot of different things and then you can, you can see the ups and downs that they go through and they're just kind of trying things, yeah. if that makes sense. But it's, it's just like making them real dopey. They're just like, yeah. their quality of life's gone down since they've taken that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I'm not saying every bit of medication is like that. So that's an extreme. But what I'm after is like, how do you work out getting the good extreme where actually that's really helpful? We're seeing a psychologist is helpful or a counselor. We're taking medication is mm. helpful. How do you navigate that? Yeah. Um, in terms of finding the right person, um, that, that's hard now because since COVID, mm. a lot of counsellors and therapists have closed their books. Everyone's really full. Yeah. But how do you find someone? Uh, that's really hard. Um, but I think starting with uh, your, your GP, who would they recommend, or a friend who's already accessing someone, yeah. starting with them is really helpful. Yeah. On the issue of medication, um, I think years ago people used to just turn to it as the happy pill, the quick fix. Yeah. And it doesn't work that way because then all a person has done is kind of numb themselves from the reality of their life mm. rather than learning how to be a grown-up in a grown-up world and how yeah. to navigate that world. Um, people who have to be on medication, it's the people who actually, no matter how much you work with them about strategies, yeah. they, they are so stuck that they can't open the toolbox and get the tool out. Yeah. And they need the medication to actually bring them up to a level mm. where rather than them fighting the anxiety or the depression, yeah. the medication is fighting the anxiety and depression right. and they've now got the energy to access to the, toolbox. the toolbox. Right. But with people who are not in extreme anxiety or clinical depression, people who've got more up over here in the spectrum. Yeah. Um, like there are some people who would say their way of lifestyle yeah. makes an enormous difference. So yeah. when I said before about sleep, um, when I did a lot of research a few years ago about if, if, if this was like a cliff and down there are the rocks of depression mm. and anxiety, how can I live a life where I'm living five metres back from the edge of the cliff rather than wandering along the edge there? Yeah. And all the research about what the, what the, the safety rail is yeah. comes down to five things. Sleep, that's so important, especially sleep between 10 p.m. and 3 a.m. Mm. You get more bang for your buck if you sleep in those hours. Good that's why nocturnal people... And that's why I get very concerned for youth and young adults who yeah. get into this nocturnal cycle yeah, of okay. they stay up late gaming yep. and then they sleep in in the morning. Even that rhythm works against mental health. Yeah, Good okay. mental health is actually getting as much sleep before midnight, the hours before midnight, say from 9 or 10 to midnight, yep. really, really helpful for the dishwasher cleaning the brain. Yep. So sleep is one. Yep. Nutrition, particularly... Um, Protein, protein is really good for the brain. So if any meal of the day, throw in some nuts, you know, chicken's really good for the brain, um, yogurt, eggs, fish, cheese. Yeah. Protein is really good for the brain. Yep. Um, exercise. Yeah. Exercise is really, really important yep. for depressed and anxious people. Um, connecting with others yep. and having relaxation activities. And then 
the last one I purposely make is a little finger because it's a sneaky little thing. <laughs> it's monitoring my thinking. Yeah, okay. Um, How would you do that? And stinking thinking. Yeah, well, I think knowing what good thinking looks like is helpful. Yeah. Like last year, a lot of research was done about why was it that some people particularly were affected by COVID more than others? Yeah. So you might have heard this saying with COVID, they said that we're all facing the same storm but we're in different boats. Yeah, yeah. And last year they did some research about why were some boats handling the storm better than others. Hmm. And a lot of research was done into um, are there some building blocks for better resilience in yeah. the face of disaster as a result of what happened last year. And it's really fascinating that not being alone, having con- having connections, so mm-hmm. isolation yeah. as opposed to connections was vital. But the other one was what sort of thinking do you do? And they found that people who have got a tolerance for uncertainty, a tolerance for ambiguity, did better. So people who say, I'd like it to go this way, but it might end up going that way, then again it might go that way, which yeah. is kind of what COVID was, wasn't it? Yeah. People who can pivot and say, rather than it has to be absolutely this way, yeah. they did better. People who've got FOMO, fear of missing out, they didn't do as well. Their their boats had more leaks in them. Mm. So so in terms of thinking, yeah. Good thinking is is more uh, an open hands rather than clenched fists yep. approach to life. It's um, it's saying I would prefer it to go that way rather than it must go that way. Yeah. Uh, not being perfectionist. Yeah. In in our our standards. Yep. Being realistic about our expectations. Yeah. Sure. Um. Just real quick. Um. Would like something like journaling help someone to get around their minds because I, I don't know for myself for instance, I can have a lot going through my brain and sometimes it's actually really hard when there's a lot in there to really kind of work out where am I sitting or what am mm-hmm. I navigating at the moment until I actually say I talk to someone or like my wife or I start writing it down is is that a good type of yeah, thing to do yeah. to navigate that in fact um research suggests that 20 minutes of writing um can externalize the stuff that's really Mm. Um, overwhelming us in sight. And so just sit and just start, just start writing. You know, don't worry yep. about grammar, don't worry about anything, just start writing. And that can be very, very helpful. And some people at the end of the 20 minutes, they even set a timer. Yep. At the end of the 20 minutes, they'll actually, you know, rip it up. Or <laughs> it, it, it's almost yep. like you have this big spew and then you flush the toilet. You, you have this big spew in your writing and you, you rip it up or something like that. It's yep. like getting it out of you. Yeah, yeah that's really good. Hey, I'm going to probably wrap it up, this yes. main talk. It's been such an awesome time having you talk on this topic, Miriam. Thank you so much. We're going to go into some Q&A now. For those of you uh, who are watching at home or watching this in future, if you like what you hear, you're more than welcome to share that around. We want this to be really helpful for not just the people here and for yourself, but anyone that's going through this kind of stuff and any of the other topics that we do. So we're on all the podcasting apps, we're on YouTube, all the socials and so forth. So love for you to be able to help us in that way and help someone else.